Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Beth Kramer, an accomplished editor and director of independent films. As a creative, Beth also had the dream of writing, and the result is a great first book, Why Didn't I Notice Her Before?, a memoir about dying to live. Beth's talent is quite evident as she takes us on this journey in her life, a health crisis as the launching pad for it. There's entertainment value, but really there's much to learn and to use for introspection. So let's meet Beth to get more insights. Beth Kramer, good morning. It is really so wonderful to welcome you with us this morning. Good morning, Kate. Thank you. You're welcome. And it is really just so amazing to read your book, Why Didn't I Notice Her Before? A Memoir About Dying to Live. And there's just this kind of conflicted feeling of, you know, dying to live just has that contradiction in it. Although, you know, once we get into the book, we totally understand what that's all about. So did that title then come to you quite naturally? Um, you know, the title, Why Didn't I Notice Her Before, it literally just, I was right, it's a last sentence in one of my chapters. And so it has a literal meaning and, of course, a figurative meaning. Um, and the dying to live, you know, is that as well, the play on words, um, I prefer the other one as a title of the book. The other one's like a little bit like tongue-in-cheek. After the cancer diagnosis, suddenly there was a, a new clarity uh, that came to me, a new perspective, and a joy, actually. And where I wasn't before enjoying life so much, um, where I was having a, a lot of uh, angst and anxiety, Suddenly after the diagnosis, I was able to live in the moment and accept the moment and, and find joy. Um, and so suddenly I was literally dying to live. You know, <laughs> I was dying, but I also found myself wanting to live. And of course, that was a major accomplishment in itself because of having lived through the depression and anxiety and all that kind of stress, which seems to suck life out and maybe be kind of a, a living death. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what people really, you know, I think so many people are reading their book and I can just imagine everybody's like sort of bobbing their heads saying, you know, oh my God, that's me. Because, you know, as much as it says, you know, it's about, about cancer as the catalyst in my life. But I think overall, it's about anything that, that wakes us up and makes us say, for instance, why didn't I notice her before? Why uh, was I looping? There was so much regret and fear of the future. And there, you know, when really there's so much, there's so much beauty in the moment. But it's really hard for a lot of people to see, you know. I think it's it's um, pretty universal feeling. It is, isn't it? We look at this philosophically because it seems as though we don't just live in joy. There's always just something challenging us, and and we tend to kind of maybe stray into that more that darker area or that more negative place. Whereas getting kind of this wake up call helps us to then really grapple with things to what get to that authentic place of of positivity and joy. Yeah, I think so. I think you know, and it can't be sort of like a holiday from expectation, you know, um, because. The future is so uncertain, and but once you're once it's in your 
driveway and you know that it's uncertain of being told you have an illness that's very threat, life-threatening, um, I, I think it's, we, we realize, like, oh, my God, all the time I was consumed with regret and all my fears and my, my, my hopes for the future. You know, that, that's not even real. It, it, it might not get that far. So there really is nothing but the actual moment. And that's what, yeah, that's, that's what happened. I, I like, sort of went through a portal of being self, you know, consumed with these really unhelpful um, thoughts and <clears throat> being told that, you know, life is, is short. Um, I sort of walked in, went through this portal into the now, you know, it, it, like this is, this is what, um, with no conditions, this is what it is. And this is, you know, where I really have to live in the moment. And for that, Obviously, you you feel grateful, and and a memoir about dying to live, I think, carries with it that message of like, wow, this is now living. That I just I had to come face to face with something that was going to suck this life away from me, and I found reasons that I need to be here. Yeah, there's a chapter called Ten Reasons, and um, it's interesting. It, it went from just writing my son down, like living for my son. I have a, he, he's, he's uh, 15 now. He was 13 when I was diagnosed. And, you know, that's certainly enough reason to live. Um, my son, my husband, my sisters, my mom and dad. But, you know, as I went, I, I, I realized you can lower your expectations, you know, like just a glazed donut. <laughs> you can put that on your list. That could taste pretty good. You know, I, I've always been very uh, healthy and self, you know, and, and um, health conscious and everything in moderation. So it was pretty funny to, to realize, wow, maybe, you know, maybe it's time to eat a glazed donut. <laughs> well, and just as you say that, and, and you're chuckling about it, but making that, you know, a, a reason to live brings forth that you really use a lot of humor throughout the book, which, you know, that juxtaposition with the tough subjects that you're talking about, whether it's the cancer or the depression and just um, these stresses that are going on, there's always this humor and, and, and we're kind of torn. I was torn. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm chuckling, but but this is serious. Yeah, a lot of people say they, they, they find themselves laughing and crying in the same sentence. And I love that. Um, it's meant to have a lot of humor. Um, everything became funny. And where depression isn't, it didn't provide me with any humor. It used to be amused when I was young. Um, those, for some reason, uh, cancer was just, it was funny. I think it's funny that, um, first of all, that I'd spent so much time berating myself only to, you know, to, to realize that life is full of tricks. Um, and I don't know, just, just, all situations that I was put in as well uh, that I think people can relate to, just they provided humor in a way that was unexpected, but it did. It just came, just kept coming out of me. So um, I felt like that was, um, I don't know, I, I really, something that I could appreciate. It made it easy to write. And it made it easier to live through these things, to find the humor in it. And with all the reading that you did, uh, the research and and the awareness that we have too about humor is that it, there's a real healing quality to it. That laughter is good medicine. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it really is. Um, and that's what makes it digestible. Obviously, is that it, you know there, I deal with some really deep things in the book, of course. Um, but I think people are really relating to it because it's always followed up with with, with a laugh. 
Um, uh, and I think we're, you know, I'm, I'm laughing at myself. I'm laughing at the situations, the world. Bodily functions can be funny sometimes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it it just occurs to me that that's what, uh, including the humor, is what makes this so easy to read and something that we really want to keep reading because there is this desire to have an understanding. Perhaps it's for our own awareness if we're dealing with cancer. Maybe it's for a friend or a family member. Maybe it's just general awareness. The humor helps us to just digest it and keep moving so much more easily. Yeah, thank you. I, I do. I get I get notes all the time where people are saying they, they haven't read a book since 1980, and they sit down and they read it in, in a day and a half. And that seems to be like an overall comment, which is just really thrilling for me to know that people who are not readers or don't consider themselves readers are, are literally sitting down and not being able to put the book down, which is awesome. That is awesome because this has been a passion to to write, to write a novel, to write a book. Here you're writing your memoir uh, to yeah. see this come to fruition and, and be, uh, you know, really embraced by so many. Oh, well, there you go again. I mean, but the cancer being, you know, I could see the gift in it. Because for whatever reason, it was a catalyst. But it was, it, it gave me the big middle. Well, I didn't have the end, but it gave me definitely a beginning and a middle of a story um, where I was sort of, struggling writing a novel about a woman who had cancer six months prior before my own diagnosis. It was going to take a lot of research, and I didn't have the resources, meaning I didn't have family history of cancer. I would never had been in a cancer center. Um, to make it authentic it was going to be really difficult, and I don't consider myself, or I hadn't considered myself a, a memoirist, you know, because from, to me, I was actually embarrassed to tell people I wrote a memoir. I think, naively, I think it's like an autobiography, which is different. You know, like, what's my story? Why would I be writing a memoir? But um, this novel that I was writing, when I realized that I was the one, I was actually my character, I was shocked, and I felt like, oh, my God, here's all the material that I need. Hand it to me on a silver platter, you know? So I would walk into cancer centers and doctor's appointments and everything that I did acting like my character. I think it helped. I think it helped me a lot, realizing, like, I was getting material for my book. But... Um, yeah, it turned out that it became it quickly, my novel quickly braided into my own story. And there's a lot of irony in that. Yes, and you share that throughout the pages of why yeah. didn't I notice her before. And it's really great food for thought because it helps us to, to think about some of the things that are going on with us and to find where those kinds of answers or uh, why things happen as they do. There's, it's philosophical yeah. in that way. Yeah, you're really right. You know, because you learn, I learned so much about myself through writing. Um, I think any art that I do, any craft, and I'm a storyteller. Um, whatever the modality is, I like to write stories, whether it's, it's through filmmaking. Um, but I do, I find that things just around me, they, they're great stories and people can relate to them. And we all do. We all, in our lives, I mean, it's not, oh, it's not easy to say, oh, you know, you're feeling depressed or this horrible thing. This, this happened, um, just turn it around and make it into art. You know, it's not always possible, but um, this time it was for me. Right. I used this experience. And do you feel then, with that kind of a turn, that um, it's projecting you into new areas, perhaps uh, more in terms of, of the creativity with the films that you make or more writing in, in terms of books? 
Yeah, you know, I'm working on a new book, and, and it's a novel, and I keep I keep thinking, oh, God, please don't give me more material for another memoir. You know, <laughs> it's like, I tend to manifest things. So if I have an idea, I, I tend to act them out. And, and that's, that's, like, probably not so healthy for relationships or, health, you know, or, you know, obviously, uh, I feel like somehow I manifested my own cancer, which I know is, 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 uh, complicated. I think it's, 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 again, that's a big part of the book about the cancer and how, um, I had a, an issue, a regret that I feel like manifested in, in this cancer, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I think I have, I think all the stories around me are, are things that I delve into and I hope to add, add, fictional aspects but I you know I draw from my own life and um so I'm working on that right now working on a new book that that hopefully won't become a memoir (laughs) (laughs) okay I hope that for you too because uh having to go through such heavy duty life lessons (laughs) is is uh quite challenging and and you describe yourself and I mean you're just this tiny tiny woman but obviously very powerful uh and strong uh i hope you've gained some weight yeah <laughs> i'm eating all you know there's one thing about this i i mean i, I do the non no denial diet you know a lot of people they go right to juicing and all these um you know they, they do these coffee enemas and all these things I, i've done the absolute opposite it's like i eat whatever i want i do i drink you know i'm crazy but i drink i'm not i'm not um yeah, I'm not over here starving myself, but uh, I still have a pretty active lifestyle as well. I still work out, and um, but I think I'm even now after the cancer more uh, willing to put slather mayonnaise on my turkey sandwich. So. Just in, in have joy, enjoy uh, yeah. life and the things around you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So we've we've talked about cancer in general and uh, being that it's such a big thing in all of our lives. It's the number two uh, cause of death in the world. Um, And some of the cancers are more prominent than others. Let's talk a little bit about yours because it's very, not very, it is common in women, but it's not like way up there on the, on the scale. Yeah, no, they actually, they say, they call it a rare cancer. Um, it's, it's, they also call it the silent killer. And the reason is because the symptoms are really difficult to cite. Um, I had nothing besides a distended belly. And in, for women, that could just be about anything. You know, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, menopause, uh, you know, th- th- it's they're just things about, they're just, being a woman, you take it for granted. You don't think, oh, my God, there's a sign for ovarian cancer. Um, but and I, and I don't know how much education there is on it. As, you know, just with breast cancer, people are much more aware of it. And there's a lot more celebrities out there, a lot more, um, you know, pink ribbons uh, where ovarian cancer is it's much, it's much smaller relatively. And yet, when we're talking about, uh, I think the statistic I read was 30,000, that is significant. That You know, even thinking about one person's life, you think about your life. This is significant. So I know they can't put all those research dollars into it. But still, when we're talking over 30,000 women that are impacted by this every year, there, there needs to be more awareness. 
Yeah, and unfortunately, it is typically stage four when when it's found. For me, it was stage four. It was very aggressive. As my doctor said, it was aggressive. It's advanced. He kept saying it over and over again. Like I didn't get the message um, because it, you you know because you don't detect it early, and by that time, it's metastasized to other areas of your body. Um, so, and there's no good testing for it. Exactly. Yes. So it is something that I feel that you're bringing more needed awareness to this disease, you know, through the writing. It just, you know, it's planting a seed in our minds. Yeah, I think just because people will look at me and they'll say, well, oh, my God, she's so healthy. Look at her. How That's what people say, you know, like can't believe you're my next door neighbor and you have ovarian cancer stage four you just doesn't doesn't add up you know, we tend to think oh it ha-, you know people who had, don't have a great healthy lifestyle or whatever it's, it's not about that it's it just it, 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 we're all capable of being uh, touched by it unfortunately but you know it's funny because i like i said you know i keep going back to saying it's not a cancer book it's meant for everybody and i don't think a lot of cancer patients actually are the first people to pick it up for instance if somebody said to me you know you have to read this book it's about this this woman she has cancer my first instinct is to say no no thanks i'm living my own life you know i'm living it i don't want to read somebody else's but it's not i want people to know to understand that it's not like that that they're they're little little slices of life um and that everybody can relate to regardless of illness but um throughout the book it didn't really I didn't educate myself so, uh, really well in the in ovarian cancer itself, in cancer, um, all the, you know, all the, I didn't go too, too deep into it. I, I trusted, trusted is a strong word. Uh, I let my doctors do the protocol. And anything that I read about or studied or came to them with didn't seem relevant. And it wasn't something that they wanted to hear. You have to go through the first line of treatment. There's always a first first line of treatment you have to go through. Um, so I don't know. I didn't educate myself to the extent that perhaps I will in the future. Now that you say, you know, maybe I have an opportunity to to help the awareness of, of this horrible illness. And and I tr- really, truly appreciate how you've stated this, Beth, because agreed, it is not a book that is about cancer. Cancer happens to feature in it to to some mm-hmm. degree. And and part of that, too, I think what it, we can glean from it because of these great vignettes of how you share your story is um, how important having a support network is. Your, your sisters and your, your mother were just real champions for you. Yes, yes, and a lot of people comment on that too. That I mean, that's definitely one of the, mer- the various themes in the book. I think my sisters and my mom come very much uh, into play. They're they're wonderful characters in general, um, and the bonds that we share, the love that they have for me and the baby of the family. Um, you know, they swept me up and brought me to Maryland, where they all live, to care for me while my husband and son stayed back in New York. And um, I think you know, it, it was easy to be. Uh, easier to live that out in front of them than in front of my son and husband, you know, during the, the treatments and so forth. But yes, my sisters and their their protection, their playfulness, everything about them and the way they treated me is very um, an incredible part of my story. 
And your your husband and son too, of course, were great supports in different ways. I I was really charmed by your son Noah. That you know he was he really behaved in such a maybe this is youth. You know, so honest and genuinely caring about mom. Should you be doing that? Yeah, right. Yeah, he's amazing. I mean, it's really a love letter to him. I consider the book a love letter to my son in a certain way. Um, yeah, you know, he's wise beyond his years for sure. Uh, not his first time on this in this world, I guess. Or I don't know how many lives he's lived. I'm not really all into that, but we're very, really. Um, we can. I don't know. There's a there's a bond there that obviously important. My only son. And we just uh, seem to connect in a way that's so important. Yes. I didn't know that that was possible. And so critical in our world to have those connections because we see evidence of where that doesn't exist, which is so tragic. You know, that's just really refreshing on how you have created that bond and and the way you know just the flexibility i think that's a bit, when i think about how the, you went uh, to see the solar eclipse and knowing to negotiate that to be flexible that, it was a great vignette oh thank you so much thank you yeah it was, it was uh, definitely uh, so fun to write <laughs> and uh, you know every experience my my husband i come uh, he'll say well you know God, you said it was really cute. He wasn't cooperating or he wasn't doing, wanting to do this. You said it wasn't a great trip. I'm like, I never said that. Um, you know, in the end, when you look back on these experiences, they're so important. Even the, even the stuff that's difficult, I wouldn't go without it. You know, when it, certainly when it comes to my son, you know, um, it's all part of life. It's all part of the story. Exactly. And what a fun story it is. Our Lives, this book, it's so intriguing. I think someone called it compulsively readable, which uh, I have to agree. It, it literally is a, a page turner. So we should make folks avail, uh, aware of how it is available. Yeah, it's um, well, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble through Apple. Um, those are the main ports. Uh, and, of course, bookstores will, will carry them Um I don't know to what extent yet, but Apple, uh, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon, both, both on paperback and, and uh, e-books. And, you know, mentioning bookstores, I do love uh, the, the smaller bookstores, the independent bookstores. Yeah. So it, all it takes is to walk in and say, hey, I, I heard Beth Kramer speaking. Do you have her book? If you don't, order it. It's that simple, that right? Great. Yeah, that would be great. I, I, I think it's to come, but yep, absolutely. And, uh, you know, to just get a, a more of a sense of, of who you are and, and what you're doing, uh, we should mention your website. Yes, of course. Uh, Beth Kramer, so that's B-E-T-H-C-R-A-N-E-R, uh, Kramer with a C, dot com. Uh, I have blogs on there. I uh, started a blog, about maybe seven up right now. And um, that's, yeah, uh, check it out, BethKramer.com. Which is great, yes. And we can just get, uh, you know, just that much more insight. And with the blogs, you're giving us that opportunity to keep hearing more stories and, and be more entertained uh, yeah. just because of yeah. the way you handle it. 
Yeah, I mean, very much in line, obviously, the same, you know, style of writing. Um, and they're meant to be. I mean, that's the thing about the book. You can almost pick up the book, even though it goes in, it has an order to it, has a flow. But you could pick it up and read a chapter, uh, and it could be a standalone. And that's why I like reading. I love reading from the book. I love doing uh, reading events. So do you, when you do that, do you have a particular uh, chapter, small chapters that they are? Totally that Yes. That you have a favorite or yes, does it depend on who your audience is? Yeah, it definitely depends on who the audience is. I can read the audience pretty well. Uh, I mean, it even depends on what, you know, what city I'm in or what state. But uh, because there's, there's so many various themes and various situations in the book, it's fun to, to pick different ones and not always read the same. I, mean, I do love that the Eclipse chapter. I think that's, I don't know, but um, everyone has a favorite and they're not all the same. And, you know, that's the, the thing about even our ourselves reading, you know, we'll just uh, day to day, we might have a, a different feeling of what we want to read. And, uh, you know, that's what makes this book yeah. so wonderful in the way that you're saying, just pick it up and open it up anywhere. Yeah, that's my, that's what my son did. <laughs> really? He wanted, well, you know, he's so funny. he's a reluctant reader, and um, and he struggled he struggled with reading, and he but yet of course in the course of me writing this book, very very excited to read the book. You know, he, this is one book he was going to read, maybe uh, his first. <laughs> so, and I was worried about this because there are things in the book that I'm not ready wasn't ready to share with him until he's 21, if ever. Uh, and so I have to deal with this. How am I going to do it? I have to sit him down and delicately explain some of the things that are going to be perhaps difficult for him to hear. And I do. And we cry and then we hug and then he says he loves me. So he's our one, our one child and our bonds, the three, my husband and I, and he have together really special. And then he doesn't read the book. And so when he goes through the contents and he goes to the chapter titled Sex, <laughs> the reads the chapter, <laughs> looks at it, goes, "Wow, oh, I don't know about that." And then you know, he closes the book, and that's the last he's read. But he's gonna, you know, he will when he gets to it. He's going to uh, hopefully really he'll, he'll he'll learn a lot about his mother, I'm sure, and how I feel about him. But uh, it was just pretty pretty funny that that's the one chapter he read. It wasn't. It's not like a very. I don't know if you read that chapter. I did. It's yes. Not ex- not x-rated it no really, so i think it's like you know but still it's just like of course that's what he's gonna do <laughs> you know the other one that I, th- I think he features in quite uh in a very cute way is uh regarding marijuana oh yeah oh boy yeah <laughs> he he did his research there i mean that that was very very funny yeah oh man yeah yeah so maybe that's just a, a little bit of wetting the appetite. So n- need to pick up a copy of the book uh, in order to find out more about that. Because uh, exactly. here in Washington State, marijuana is legal. You know, we can yep. smell it in the air a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's um, just, again, just all these different perspectives, these different vignettes, lots of food for thought, and uh, really a fun read, even though, as we said earlier on, it's serious, but life has that mix of seriousness and fun, and we make it work to be the best that it can, which is definitely what you demonstrate you've done with your life, Beth Kramer. Thank you. It's authentic. That's that's for sure. That's the word I get, and raw. And um, I'm just really grateful that I was free enough to do that, you know, free enough for, to land and share it.
So thank you so much. Really appreciate your, your accolades. Well, I appreciate your writing, I all aspects of it, and not the least of which is the entertainment value, you know, saying that in a qualified way. But it is definitely such a great read, and I look forward to what is going to be your next production. Thank you so much. I'm going to try to make my way up to Seattle and do some readings up there and uh, explore. It's just such, so beautiful. So when, right now I'm on vacation on an island. So I'm, you know, this is also giving me, Kansas giving me the freedom to just put more things on my bucket list, if you have to call it a bucket list. But and <laughs> I like to travel. And yes, I wanted to mention that I'm so glad that you have this adventure, this wonderful travel that you fit in for this year. Yes, yes, thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you for for who you are and for sharing so much of yourself with us and for your time with us this morning. Thank you. Well, happy holidays. And the same to you. This is Mandy Ringenberg with your Sunday morning shout out. And this week's shout out goes to the Sound Food Uprising, founded by Beecher's Foundation. Yes, as in Beecher's Cheese. Their programs aim to activate adults to demand a better food future. 2.3 million Americans are living with diet and inactivity-related diseases, and about 680,000 deaths a year are related to poor diets in the U.S. alone. Now, that's one of many reasons why the Beecher Foundation wants to arm their communities with food industry and marketing know-how. In their many programs, you'll learn how to spend money on good, wholesome food, shopping and kitchen hacks, and even real cooking skills. One of their programs, Sound Food Uprising, aims to invoke just that, healthy eating and smart food shopping. In the two sessions, you'll learn with the guidance of professional instructors how our food choices affect us mentally and physically. During the first session, you'll pull the curtain back on the food industry and learn in-depth more on nutrition labels, marketing tactics, processed foods, and why they aren't good for us, and also, of course, why they're just so hard to resist. Then, in the second session, you'll learn how to shop for sustainable food items, cook, and prepare yourself a delicious and healthy meal. You'll dive into the reasonings behind food marketing and why it's kind of hard to eat good foods because of money reasons, taste interests, or possibly a lack of cooking skills and knowledge. You can also get the kids involved, too, in the Pure Food Kids Workshop. Through their website, they also offer printable recipes, informational videos, meal planning on anything from salads, spices and herbs, and of course, snacks. At your fingertips, they offer articles to learn more about even sports drinks and maybe how your protein bars are not so good for you. Lots of helpful resources to keep you eating healthy. Check out their website today and maybe sign up for a few workshops or two. That's at BeechersFoundation.org. And with that, we are at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Beth Kramer and Sunday Morning Magazine with Killian No. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I so greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I'll get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Simply click on the podcast tab and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of making deeper connections with each other, then reaching out to the community. 
Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.